great to be here on another Wednesday night and to welcome all of you to Wednesday Night Live. We've been having a great time of uh, discussion of some things spiritual and some things that not aren't quite so spiritual. Uh, prior to this broadcast, we just welcome you on into the room with us. We're going to look at the Word of God tonight, and uh, it's just a great blessing to have a gathering like this with our saints' family. I um, I was praying <clears throat> about this this meeting tonight, in as I normally as I normally do, um, and um, I I kept feeling a certain a, a, a certain compulsion in my spirit and um, it wasn't a normal type of a pattern where God was giving a, an insight into a specific topic or a specific um, mystery or, or measure of revelation of the word it was it was more a uh, it was more like the spirit of counsel regarding some of the things that I, I've been sensing in prayer, and I am, I'm assuming that if I'm sensing them, many of you are sensing them, and if you're not already sensing them, you will sense them. It seems to be um, a heightened measure of grace in our intercession. And by, by that I mean that there will be times regularly where I am praying. I'm in proskuneo, I'm praying in diversities of tongues, and suddenly I'll just feel a like a like a burst from the spirit. I'll, it's it's not necessarily revelatory, it's not a ma'a moment. It's it's more like a um, a, a a release of some sort from the Lord and it it feels invigorating. It's it's kind of like a, it's kind of you know what it's kind of like. <clears throat> I remember when I was a kid, and I used to love to. I was outside most of the time when I was a kid. Of course, you could be up outside, uh, up where I grew up, <laughs> because it it would get cooler at night, you know, and it was just it was really pleasant. And sometimes I would sit out on the porch. And um, all of a sudden, there'd just be a gust of wind, just nice, cool air blow. And it just felt so good. And um, I, I just enjoyed that greatly. And you could watch the, the, the lightning bugs, and um, you could see them. You know, there's seven different kinds of lightning bugs in Pennsylvania. Did you know that? And, and it's funny, because in the central part of the state, you can go and... Um, and you can see certain parts of a, of a national forest where all seven of these can be seen. And they, they, they light in different patterns. Each species has a, that's not a good word, each, each uh, variety uh, has a different, has a different uh, cadence of light. And it's, it's, it's a phenomenal thing to see. But I, you, I would sit out there and I'd feel this, this wind and it was just invigorating and then we just kind of go away. Uh, it's kind of what I'm feeling in the spirit 
uh, when I'm praying. I, I feel these, these visitations of the Lord, but it's almost like they're a, a, a deposit in the spirit or, or a, a stirring of some sort. And I, I enjoy that. But I finally started asking the Lord. Uh, it started about a week and a half ago, actually, when, when I was in Brazil. I was asking, Lord, what am I supposed to do about this? Is this just you coming by, giving me some goosebumps, or is this is this something that is a tactical thing that I need to embrace and um, and take take a measure of responsibility for? And and I recognized that when I asked that, that I was basically giving myself the answer. And it's amazing how many times God will give us direction by asking us a question. It's amazing how many times the angels do that when they come to you. Uh, And you can read that in the Bible. How many times did an angel appear to someone in the Old or the New Testament and ask them a question? And and even, even when Jesus would minister to people, uh, he would come up to blind people or or, or he would pass by lepers and he would ask them, what, can, what, what do you want? You know, can you believe? He would ask them a question. And, and I think that um, God is, is, is brought his saints and his sons into such a dimension of partnership now that even in his fellowship times, he employs that in the midst of our prayer. And we need to recognize that the question itself is often a direction from him. And it's just, why does God do that? Because a question demands a response. And, um, and a, a, a pure question will guide you to, to come up with some measure of rationalization and some measure of, of an answer and so it's almost like a priming of the pump of your spirit. And God could just say, thus says me, this is happening. But he's not, he doesn't want to have an autocratic type of relationship with us. He wants to have partnership. And so he asks these things. So <clears throat> I just thought it was really odd that um, when I asked that question of the Lord, he, uh, he really... Uh, he really just gave it kind of a duh moment that you've just answered your own question. So there's, um, there was then the responsibility that I had to figure out what in the world that meant. And so as I prayed about it, I asked the Lord to do what he's done over the last two decades so very faithfully. Can you tell me the answer to this through your word? Can you show me what this is that you're highlighting at this very moment and from this moment forward. And he did. And, and I want us to look at two passages of Scripture. Um, the first one is in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And um, we're going to look at verses 6 and 7. And here Paul is writing to his son in the faith, Timothy, And he says, 
Wherefore, I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God, which is in you, by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, we've ministered on this passage and the context of this on many, many occasions, and and every one of those ramas from the Lord have ministered to us in some unique and necessary ways. But <clears throat> I, I, when I heard this verse in my spirit, I immediately remembered that the gift of God, the gift is grace. The gift is charisma or the manifestation of grace in a life or in a ministry or in some um, or in some uh, assigned duty, and so I thought, oh yeah, we're in this we're in this year of grace. So part of the answer has to be that God is visiting us the excitement of heaven regarding steps of grace that we're taking, or regarding initiations of grace that His Spirit is is doing. And, and grace is, is a growing thing. Grace is a developing thing. Grace is a progressive thing. And I, and I feel like it's kind of like the rain of grace that we're feeling when we pray. Uh, you can feel a stirring that God is doing something in grace. God is moving in grace, and it's invigorating. It, it kind of stirs your spirit. And and it, it's, it's, like a, it's like a burst of adrenaline that hits you. And so I thought, well, that's pretty good, but what does stir mean? And it's interesting that this, this word <clears throat> is only used here. And it, it truly is an unusual word because it's made up of three distinct words. And one of them is that it's for you personally. The second one is, it is a fire. The actual word for fire is used. And the third is, it's life bringing. It's a, a derivative of zoe. So that word for stir would, would mean this, that with the grace that God is partnering in you, uh, you've got to be willing to recognize that however you embrace that grace, you're going to have to look at it as something that you are responsible for, something that is in harmony with the spirit of judgment and burning. The fire of the Lord is there, and it is destined to bring zoe, or a, a new birth, or a new expression of life. It's not so much that you're giving yourself a pep talk and say, okay, you know, I got to get with it. You know, that's, I got to stir myself up, shake myself, you know. That, yeah, that's, that's a good advice as well. But with this, Paul was saying, I laid hands on you, and you're a partner with grace now, so you have to recognize that grace is going to bring about new life, it's going to bring about the fire of the visitation of God because it is a new beginning and it's a fulfillment all at one. 
but it's also something that you have to recognize as a responsibility that's being given directly to you. And I think that we should, we should understand that in this year of grace, we have an individual responsibility, we have a church-wide responsibility, and we have a network responsibility for the world. And um, so we've got to say, Lord, with this, as we're praying, one of the things that you're just going to continue to be doing is sowing this grace and visiting this grace. And <clears throat> we're partnering with you. We're agreeing with you in diversities of tongues for the aspects of grace that you are releasing because God always begins things with a voice. He looks for an intercessor. And so we're praying in diversities of tongues, his mysteries, and these bursts of grace from the throne are being facilitated by our agreement and our declarations through the power of the Spirit. So we're feeling those releases. And we have to recognize that as that is happening, it is our responsibility. It is a visitation of the spirit of judgment and burning, and it is going to bring life. And we have to we have to keep that in mind. This is such an unusual word. Like I said, it's only used here. And so I thought that's really a weird that's really a weird word. And you know, you would expect someone like Apollos to use Apollo to use this word. Uh, but I, I, I looked at a, um, at a manual that I have that talks about how some of these unusual words are, were used in the, in the Greek uh, literature of that day. And it's interesting that this word was usually used in some of the, um, some of the mythologies to describe what would happen when one of the uh, in their in their storytelling, when one of the um, the gods would entrust an empowerment to a demigod or to a, a human being that was part part human and part god, and that was a lot in their that was a lot in their mythologies. If you ever watched Clash of the Titans and you see Perseus, you know. Uh, from the, the Greek myths. And so I thought that's the way, that's, that's the primary way this word was used uh, in, in, in ancient Greek. And so Paul yanks that word knowing this, because Paul was no dummy. He was, a, he was a brilliant individual. And he thinks, you know, we're called to be sons. We are, we're not some myth. We are sons of God. We are we are joint heirs with God. So how can I describe a partnership with grace? And he uses, under the anointing of the Spirit, that word, which was well known, to say we have a divine responsibility as humans to represent not a God, but the God, the only God. And it is given to us individually, and it is a release of his power it's a release of his fire, and it's a release that brings life in some divinely inspired way. And so you have to remember that. 
And then that makes perfect sense when you look at what comes next. God has not given us a spirit of fear. This is not phobos. This is not, oh, this word is timidity. God has not given us a spirit of timidity. We don't just kind of think, oh, you know, I don't know what's happening. I don't want to do too much. I don't want to get ahead of God, you know. I kind of sound like Floyd in the barbershop in the Andy Griffith. Yeah. Hey, Andy. You know, I got to watch myself. I'm, I'm recognizing my stories. There's only a select number of people that understand anything I'm talking about anymore. Thankfully, some of them are still in this room. But God hasn't given us a commission to be timid. In fact, in the book of Revelation, it says God is going to judge the timid. That's an interesting thing. Uh, unless, of course, they feel they, the timid uh, can create in the next few years some kind of a, uh, of a political action committee, and then we'll all be ministering to the timid, and then we can't say anything negative about them. Um, but God hasn't given us timidity, but what's he given us? Power, dunamis, function. He's given us agape, and he's given us the ability to grasp these things and understand them with our mind as we are partnering with God. It's a to do and to teach in this verse. You notice that. You're, 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 you're wanting the function of God, dunamis. You're doing it through the, the power of his love, breathing hard after him. And as you do those things, you begin to understand the concepts of God's heart that just a brief time before were not revealed. I, I just think those two verses are phenomenal. And they, they really are summed up. The meat in the middle of it is grace. The gift of God is literally the grace of God. So when the grace of God is moving among a son, you're going to represent him on earth. You're going to be purveyors of his fire to bring new life. So don't just languish in timidity. You, God has not given you that. God has not commissioned you for that. You are to be a functionary of the power of God. And you are to represent his agape. And you are then to be able to, to speak of it and to teach others and to instruct them how to do it. So, as, I'm, as I saw that, I came in here, and even here tonight, I was praying, and I, I kept feeling those, those bursts from the Spirit. It's, it's invigorating, and, and it's not something that just overwhelms you. We've all had those experiences. This is different than what we've felt in the past. It's not replacing it. It's just a different thing. And I, I really feel it's, it's the excitement of grace. I feel that it's, it's God causing us in this year of grace as we pray in diversities of tongues and as we've been granted responsibilities in many new nations and there are others that are coming alongside um, asking, come over and help us. Come over and teach us how to call out to God. Uh, we're praying about those things right now, and and that grace is coming, and we need to 
we need to, when we feel it, we need to even make the declaration, Father, I, I thank you that, that your grace is moving and we lay claim to uh, that privilege of partnering with you, that new life will come, that your fire will visit that place. And as you, you begin to, to speak the word into that scenario, God then begins to show you. He begins to give you insight. It may not be a detailed vision, but uh, I, 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 it, it's funny. When, when I started saying that verse, I would have vision of, of people. I'd have vision of, of uh, uh, one, I saw a clash of, the, of several colors representing the, the seven spirits and the angels against a, 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 a just a, a stagnant bank of, of the enemy. Um, it, it's, it's just really like a staccato uh, visitation of grace. And we're, we're praying in that we're agreeing with God for his visitation of grace. And he's hitting on a number of different fronts. It's, it's like the reign of the spirit. It's, it's almost like the sprinkling of grace. And, and so if you feel that, if you feel that kind of thing, rejoice in the Lord and begin to declare the great. You don't have to stand up and preach it, but, you know, just not have a knowing of it. And in your spirit, it, it just takes a minute. It, it takes less than a minute. Just keep praying in the spirit, but say, Father, thank you for your grace. I release your fire. I release your life. And, and Lord, guide me to partner with you in this. That's all you have to do. And then just keep praying in the spirit. It's, it, God's pleased with that because he loves his word. This, he, loves, he loves his people to, um, to work with him, to be led by the spirit, to understand a thing that has been hidden that the spirit is guiding the sons into and he loves then to generate the remembrance of the word. And when you declare the word, which will never pass away, um, it, it's, it's, it's a dynamic that thrills the heart of the father because that's what he wants. That's, that's what he wants for you. And it brings all the nutrients of spiritual, uh, of spiritual vitality and God together in one place. And it's just, it's an invigorating thing. So hear what, what Paul wrote to Timothy. Um, he said, and, he, and when he says, I put you in remembrance, um, and, and that this happened, this was initiated when hands were laid on him. What that means for me, this wasn't a one-off. This is the way churches are supposed to function. This, this young man was to be a pastor. This is what he was supposed to be doing. So when Paul was putting in remembrance, he was putting in remembrance these things we just talked about. I just think that's, that's phenomenal. Now, I'm sure that these things have happened in the past. We've had all kinds of experiences, thanks be to God, in intercession, all kinds of, of uh, sensations of, of the Lord that are just wonderful. But this is a recurrent thing. It's, it's kind of like 
the best I can call it is a burst from heaven. It's it's a it's it's a visitation, and it's it's an instantaneous thing. It'll leave it'll leave a um, it, it'll leave a residue in your spirit. But what you need to know when it happens is that it's 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 a grace visitation because you're partnering with God as an intercessor regarding what He's releasing in grace all over the world. And um, I just think I just think that's terrific. Now, the other passage that came to my heart was in Jude. Hey Jude, which is really easy to find. You just go to the book of Revelation and hang a left. Just right there. And um, we uh, we see here a well-known verse. But I want us to look at it in a in a different in a different context. No, not in a different context. There's there's something fresh the Lord wants to show. Um, verse 17, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time, who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. It's interesting, if you look at that word that's uh, mockers here, it's, it's, it's a type of a teacher, which is kind of weird. And uh, a teacher that is focusing on ungodly lusts and, and training people to walk after them. So these mockers are people that, that teach something different than what God is saying, but the base of what they're teaching is an ungodly lust, and, uh, and it, 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 it also has a certain measure of walking after this. Very interesting. I think we're seeing a lot of that today. These be they who separate themselves on the grounds of sensuality, not following what the Spirit is doing. It's very interesting, isn't it? But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And this is interesting. Um, when you look at the most holy faith, uh, of course, holy is hagias, which is saintly, which is that measure of what we have recognized saints to be. Um, there is no word for most. And I, I thought, why in the world does it say most holy? Because wherever you look, it's 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 not that and so again i obviously did a lot of study today i looked at this word in one of the uh, greek texts that i actually had from seminary and there's a variation of hagios there um and it's it's just it's 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 a superlative that's what they call it. Is this a superlative participle to hagios? 
and it, it's like an emphatic thing. And, and it's, it doesn't happen much because how can you, how can you highlight hagias? How can you make that any more than it already is? But this is like a command. It's like a command participle. And it's, it's not, uh, you know, and it would take a long time to look at every one of the, I don't really want to invest that time. I don't think the Lord's saying that I should. It's not something that you can just look up in your Bible program. But I don't think that it's, it may be the only time it's used in the New Testament attached to Hagios. But it really says, it, it emphasizes that you have to be, you have to insist upon walking in faith as a saint. That, that's, that's what this means. And how you do that is praying, continuing to pray in the Holy Ghost. You, you have to do that. In fact, to really walk as a saint, you've got to be a person of, of praying in the Holy Ghost. If you, if you aren't praying in the Spirit, you're probably not going to be willing to do the things that God is requiring of the saints, and you're probably not going to be, you're not going to have your, your intellect lubricated with the power of the Spirit to understand what God's trying to say. You're going to see it. You're going to say, nah, you know, I don't really care about that. So, but, but look at the, con now here we use the word context. Look at the context of this. He speaks about the last times where there are teachers that would rise who are not walking according to the Spirit. They focus more on sensual things. They focus more on ungodly lusts. And they focus on that and they, they line it up against what really should be being taught. And not only do they teach these things, but they, they line up a progression of how you should walk according to it. This is an interesting thing that he says that the apostles prophesy about the last times. And what you're supposed to do regarding it is to be aware, but build yourself up on the faith that God gives to his saints to walk in true holiness and to remember that the lifeblood of that is communing with God through praying in the Spirit. That is an essential, essential word. It is interesting to me as well that as I was looking at this well-known word, hagios, over and over again, we could see the, the very clear things that were apparent to all of us when we were describing what holiness really is. And you can just look at it. It says hagios, comes from hagos, which means something awful, something ugly. And on down the line it goes. So anyone who would, would even question that definition of holiness is either walking after some other thing or they're just not wanting to see I guess you could say well we can't trust that linguistic stuff anyway because it's really not the word of God you could just boot it right out but it's very clear 
and God is a God of holiness. He is still, I just think it's interesting that you've got set apart from the walk of holiness, this warning, and these teachings do mock what we are. They do. You think about it. How many times, if you, if you look just in, a, in the natural realm, if you pay attention to the news at all, just about any wacky thing that's being brought up politically will have an addendum. They'll say, you evangelicals, you Bible people, you are just wrong. And, and it's, just, it's, it's just right there, no matter what it is. And I could list them. We could list the top five even from this week. And they, no sooner do they say it, but it's you Christians are wrong. The Bible is wrong. You evangelicals are wrong. And then they list all kinds of things. You're racist. You're this. You're that. And, and you can see this, this, this mindset of ungodly, sensual things, lustful things that are then embraced as doctrine and then ridiculing what the truth is. This is exactly what Jude is saying about the end time. And we're living it. But not only do you see that pervading the political arena, but you see it coming full bore against those that would be walking in the things of the Spirit. And um, you've got to be really careful. <laughs> we really have to be careful. Um, you know, the agape of God, the love of God, is very clear what that is. What is the agape? You're breathing hard after the purpose of God. You are aligned with him. You are panting, as it were, after his heart and what he is wanting to do in this moment. That is what agape is. That's what love is. And if you read in our Bibles, just the translation, they'll say charity. And they'll, they'll want to throw that into philanthropic things or social endeavors or just tolerating and, you know, cajoling people. And, you know, we, we got to be really careful because the enemy, even from 1611, when this was translated, tried to substitute the agape of God with charity. And it's not, it's not, they're, they're two different things. And by saying that they're two different things doesn't say that we don't believe in charity. By saying that they're two different things doesn't mean that we don't believe in showing a, a, a hand of love or showing a helping hand. You see, whenever you, whenever you make a definitive statement from the word, the recoil of people is that, well, you just don't, you, you, you just don't have any compassion. We're not saying that. We're not, we're, not even, we're not even coming near to say that. But what we're saying is, don't, don't tell us that these things that very clearly are talking from a pneumatikos, biblical, literal perspective, are a passion for God and a seeking after him and a wanting to see restoration of his eternal will done, that, that when we say that somehow, 
we're not following the Great Commission or we're not showing love. It's amazing to me how, how wicked the devices of the enemy are. And, but here it is in this, in this prophecy from Jude where it says the apostles told you. I don't know when the apostles said this. I, I don't know. Beloved, remember the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Jude was, you know, he was brother of the Lord. You know, he, he was right in the thick middle of all of these people. And uh, so if anybody knew what the apostles said, he would have. And he's saying, remember, they prophesied that in the time of the end, this was going to be happening. And it's interesting. I can see how this was translated as mockers because it's, it's the end result. It's, it's, the, it's the focus. It's the agenda of these teachers. They want to establish a sensual, ungodly lust agenda. And they want to make those things seem like, if it could be, that it's actually godly. And, and in order to set that up, they can't just say that. They have to knock down what is true and what is pure and what is right. So in, in a way, you can see how they're mocking what's pure and what's actual. But, but that's, their, that's their target point. The point is that they are systematic doctrines of devils teachers. And this was prophesied by apostles for the time of the end and um, so what's our solution oh they separate themselves why do they separate themselves because you know they want to the enemy wants to tune out what's right he wants to tune out fresh word he wants to tune out what God has established so you separate from that and you can just start believing anything. And especially when it's a doctrine of devils, and especially when there is a release where God says, okay, the enemy is going to come to try to deceive the very elect. And God says, I'm going to give you over to the seducing spirits that you want to follow. That's a scary thing when God says, I'm going to do that. But it's, it's part of this. So then Paul says, with all of this going on, what do we need to do? We need to emphatically embrace the faith that God is speaking from his throne about his holy intent to his saints. We need to emphatically embrace that. That's what most holy is. You won't find the word most there. But there's an emphasis. There is a, there is a, uh, there is a, an absolute emphatic participle to this. And we need to be praying in the Holy Ghost. We have to be. That's our lifeblood. And, um, you know, I see this stuff going on even today. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, we have to be really careful. We, we, I, I'm speaking to myself and I'm speaking to everybody in here. We have to be really careful because... We can get involved in our mind and in our emotions in things that we see that are going on 
and and you know but but we we've, we've got to draw back from that and we've got to really be solidified through praying in the spirit and we've got to recognize that this is a spiritual thing that what what, what we're seeing and what we're reacting to is a demonic device now you can't bind it and rebuke it and cast it out it's what's happening you cannot cast out prophecy you know you know i remember when the kingdom now people were really teaching and going at it in in uh in the 70s i don't know if any of you were aware of of that the kingdom now movement and they thought that if you just prayed enough and if you did godly things that somehow the kingdom of god would come and it would actually alter the things that were written about in revelation and that's ridiculous you can't alter the unalterable word of god you can't you can't alter that it's going to happen the way it's going to happen so you got to you got to look at it but then you've got to find the thread that's in the middle of that as to what we're supposed to be doing and i can tell you for many years i thought that it meant just being faithful to come to church pay your tithe and wait for the trumpet to blow that ain't it <laughs> we've got a spiritual responsibility so these these mockers are not going to come after the people that are just getting saved over and over again every week in fact they're probably going to be able to they're probably going to be able to recruit a number of them over to their side the, these mockers are coming against the people that are moving in pneumaticos understanding because that's the threat the enemy faces and he recognizes that he he does not want fresh revelation he does not want people walking in the spirit of truth he does not want sons rising up to do what what god needs to have done as a son and as an intercessor in this time frame so these mockers are going to target that while they're also setting up their own doctrines of devils and trying to recruit people for that uh, for that course of study so it's kind of interesting so why did god bring these two passages of scriptures to us tonight what what's the what's the harmony between those two well where where sin abounds and we're talking here in jude about sin abounding grace does much more abound you've got both of those things happening concurrently so you've got sin people missing the mark setting up doctrinal positions of how to miss the mark but of course they're not saying you're missing the mark but that's really what they're doing and then you've got people that are partnering with god for grace to come for grace to be visited those two dynamic spiritual influences according to the word where sin abounds grace does much more abound happening concurrently at the same time so what we have to do is keep seeking the lord keep ourselves strong keep praying in the spirit recognize that we've been given a responsibility as saints to embrace the faith of god and and to move with the holy spirit and um, we also need to remember that uh, when God's using us as an intercessor, we are welcoming his grace 
And that grace is going to be specifically released to us as a responsibility. It's going to bring life through the fire of God. And so we can't be timid about it. We can't, we can't take a back seat. We can't sit in the stands and just let it all play out. God does not want us to be timid. He's not given us that option. But, and there, I guess there is a spirit of timidity. You know, it says that. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a, I'm sure that there's a demonic influence there, but I think it's something that people choose. They, they put their, their own spirit in neutral. They choose, instead of sowing their spiritual capacity into partnering with God, they just kick it into neutral. And they just idle. Um, God hasn't given that. But what he has given is the ability to partner with him to see function and um, to, to be a person who is continuing to know that love from him and then to understand what to do next how to put these things together into a format of understanding how to sow that into those that you're supposed to be training as disciples we're really describing where we are right now We've, there are hundreds and hundreds of people right now that are that are coming to this army of the saints and we've got a big responsibility but in order to do that in order to fulfill our responsibility we've got to put these things into practice so i just encourage you um don't don't forsake praying in the spirit every day you, you you have to it it it's it's a grace gift diversities of tongues it's a grace gift and it's something uniquely given to us and uh, we have to be we have to be exercising it we need it um, recognize that these mockers we see them all over the nation and we, we see them trying to permeate the, um, the very elect. And uh, we will prevail through the Lord. He will prevail. But we, we cannot sit on the sideline. We can't. You know, the spirit of, it's the spirit of timidity, you know, that's, that's a word that I, I used because it, it does say, well, I don't really want to do anything. But, but that, that's not all there is to it. Spirit of fear, that word translated as fear, can mean timidity, but can also mean that you've elected to take yourself out. That you say, okay, I'm done. And I, I, I must confess that over the past few years, sometimes I, I confess I, as I've been praying and just waiting on the Lord, at some point, I'll just say, Lord, I just don't want to do this anymore. And I don't mean that, but I can feel myself feeling that. And I think that's part of this, this type of a spirit. 
And I do think the enemy wants to, to influence us to embrace that. But I think that it's more of a, of a choice. It's kind of like you've got the seven spirits of the Lord in harmony with the spirit of God that he caused to be born again in all of us. And you can elect to either partner with the spirit of the Lord or you can just say, well, I'm not going to do anything with my spirit. I'm just going to add it. So we got to watch ourselves. we got to watch ourselves. All right. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the way you're moving. Thank you for the wonderful things that you're doing. We speak a blessing tonight over all of the churches of the saints, the prayer groups, those individuals who are standing faithfully where you've planted them. Keep them strong. Keep them pure. Keep them focused upon you and keep them from being deceived. Lord, bless the churches and bless the people of Brazil. Lord, put a hedge around them. Let that grace encampment of the angels of God be around them still. Don't let anything hinder or stop what you're doing there. Don't let any of them be lost. And uh, for those that are coming on, on board, Lord, just keep, let your spirit keep bringing them in. And for all of South America, which is opening up, it's a burgeoning, it's a burgeoning field of operation. Lord, let us pray exactly the way we should for that. Bless these other, these other countries where our allies in the faith are and those that are coming in freshly into this walk of sonship. We just teach us to pray. Help us to pray. Guide us in our prayer. And let this place be strong, Father. Let these individuals, these veterans, let them remain strong. And let us be pleasing in your sight. We thank you for this, Lord. And we love you and ask all of these things in your wonderful name. Amen. Well, thanks, everybody. Thanks for being here. Thanks for tuning in tonight. And we will look forward to uh, being with you all again this weekend. Good night.